I have a little bit of thing about wolves as well, hence the wolf and wisdom. <laughs> wolves are just so inspiring for me, both the wolves, you know, in, in real life, the real life wolves and the way they work with a pack, but also the mythology that's connected around them as well. So that's mostly what I share in my books. And that's what your books oh, funny noises. <laughs> it's the wolves. It's, it's the wolves. <laughs> Hello, witches and beautiful souls. Welcome back to the Bell Witch Podcast with me, Swales, your friendly green witch. Hope you're doing well. Thank you so much for giving me your time and subscribing to me. I'm pushing on 180-odd subscribers, which is just amazing. You know, 180 people like me so much, they're subscribing to me. So good. Thank you for that. I really appreciate it. Can you guess what this next episode is about from that little blooper reel I just uh, shared with you? (laughs) Something to do with wolves. The guest for this episode is a big fan of She-Wolf Looper. Belly dancing, writing books about it, a school of wisdom. She's such an all-rounder awesome guest. And a bit of a dab hand as well as she's had appearances on three other podcasts before the Bell Witch podcast. One being Witching Around, which is the Witchfest official podcast, and the other two is The Wheel and The Witch Next Door, probably similar to this one. I like to do a little shout out for fellow podders, so hi Witchy Podders, I like to support you. So far I've only listened to Witching Around, but I'm going to put the other two on my list of things I want to hear. The massive list, I need more ears, I tell you, there's just so many podcasts out there that I want to listen to. This episode was an absolute joy to record, we had a right good chinwag, a good fun time talking about things and how dark life can be and how it helps to have a howl and yes, we do have a sample howl from my guests, so do stay tuned for that. And if you're enjoying what I'm doing, please let me know, let other people know share the word and you can always sponsor me on ko-fi or buy me a coffee it's all linked in my link tree which is in the show notes if you want to show this witch a bit of love please do i do this for nothing it's a bit of a labor of love it's a hobby that i love but i'm not quite big enough yet to get sponsorship but yet being the key word because i just love doing it and i can easily see it being a career for me Anyway, without any further ado, because I'm blabbering a bit, I will press play on the old recording and I hope you enjoy it and I'll see you on the other side. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Bell Witch Podcast with me, Swales, a friend of the Green Witch. Very excited with this next Moot Loot guest, which is Rachel Sarah Roberts of The Wolf Woman Rising. Hello and welcome, Rachel. Hello, thank you for having me. <laughs> Just been having some technical issues, but we've just sorted them out now so let's get Fingers going crossed. yeah definitely <laughs> can you introduce what your business is and what you're all about of course yeah so i'm rachel i'm the founder and creator of wolfman rising um so that's my wisdom school where i guide and these students in embodying my three guiding principles which are authenticity trust and courage um and so with them we dive through really ancient mythology, bringing it forth so we can embody it. So taking those ancient historic tales and making them ours so we can be empowered by them. And part of that is I'm an author. Um, so I have books that I've written and are writing. <laughs> and also as well, I forgot to mention the first one. So now we're doing a sequence even better. I also went under the dancing tree, which is my dance school. My school is Sacred Dance. So I've been the sacred dance teacher for uh, 17 years this October as well. So I connect people through the history, the dancing and nature alchemy. That's my my three vibes. <laughs> That's awesome. Because I, I was listening to a podcast you were on, you were talking about belly dancing, how magical it is and because it's like a ritual, isn't it? It is, yeah. And I'm really attracted to dance forms that are ancient, you know, that I know that women have been doing for thousands and thousands of years and belly dance you know is an example of that the other style i teach is hawaiian hula and they have this ancient history to know that women were doing this thousands of years ago it connects us you know kind of womb to womb it's like this energetic timeline but these these moves that are used in both of those are just so universal and they do something that's just pure magic like there's no way of explaining it other way than it is magic because the healing and the empowerment that women get through dance is just 
indescribable <laughs> grounding isn't it is it yeah definitely I mean a lot of the moves that you're using in both the hula and in belly dancing you're using the hips which bring us you know deeper into our kind of our intuition our wisdom our center as woman I mean men do both of those dance styles as well um oh, so cool. you know with the yeah with the Hawaiian dancing Polynesian dancing the men use it traditionally it would have been used for warrior training it's always wonderful watching the men doing it you know in their little just leaves <laughs> and the belly dancing as well you know the men um, also do the belly dancing and everybody in these cultures these ancient cultures comes together to tell stories to dance to make music you know it's a really community thing that draws you together and you've got the stories of the ancestors that are told you know through dance and through song and I I miss that we don't have that anymore you know that mm. but that isn't something we do you know we're we're so separate we sit in our little houses on our own watching tv and we lack this connection you know this real and not just meeting someone you know once a week or once a month for a community connection we we lack that greater community that is around you all the time supporting you you know enabling you to share that links you into something bigger than yourself i think we're really missing something of not having that anymore and i wish we could bring it back <laughs> i can't dance <laughs> <laughs> could, well, could anybody everybody dance? can dance everybody can dance and I, <laughs> I you know I think that this is why like I love belly dancing and Hawaiian hula so much in that like watching Strictly there's no way I could dance like that it, you know it, you've got a very much like a format and a choreography and it's it's very structured I think it's quite masculine actually with that structure and that like it has to be this way only that way here now whereas the feminine you know she flows she's like water and I think when you just let your body intuitively just go with what it wants to do that is dancing I mean I say to my students you can be belly dancing and stand be standing completely still and not moving at all because dance is the expression of the heart and the soul it's you know it's, it's the bringing forth of self and I've seen some amazing um, belly dancers that she doesn't have to move because you can just look at her eyes and you're seeing a story. And I do think that everybody's authentic way of moving, that is their dance. So even though we don't look like the people perhaps on Strictly, that doesn't mean that we can't dance. It's just that we're our own difference and our difference is what makes us special, makes us unique. That's the bit we should be celebrating. So wiggling around at home, you know, is is a valid dance. One of the stories that I kind of start, uh, share with my students is there's a particular move called the Egyptian walk that most of my students find quite difficult. And I was the same. I found this difficult for years. And what it took for me was just literally just like boogieing it around in my kitchen to Ramstein for like half an hour. <laughs> and it just suddenly happened. And that's not by dancing music. It's not strictly authentic. But because I was letting go, I'm probably getting a bit angry, actually, like really getting into the vibe, you know, stomping <laughs> into the ground. And, you know, and, it, and it just worked because I was relaxed. I was enjoying myself. That's yeah. where the dance is. There is a connection, isn't there? I mean, like when you go see concerts, I love live music. And I was at Chemical Brothers a couple of weeks ago and the dancing there were just amazing. Everybody was so into the music and in the moment and probably magical, isn't it? Were you a belly dancer before you did the the wolf woman rising yeah so creating the the wisdom school is is a new thing just in the past few years to kind of a way for me to share what's in my books however kind of the belly dancing the history are like my two branches really and they've always been there with me since the beginning so I actually started teaching belly dancing when I was 16 oh, okay. um, so I was really quite young so I started teaching after school but at the same time I was obsessed with history so that's always been there uh, my degree and my master's are in history. I kind of wanted to be, you know, one of these professors that travelled around Egypt. <laughs> um, that was kind of one of my fantasies. That didn't happen, but, um, you know, I did work in castles instead. So they've always kind of been there. And I think that, like, for me, I've always adored history, but I've always wanted a way to make history matter in that it empowers people and it helps to heal people. It's one of my things that I love to say, like, what's the point of, like, knowledge of just having it? It just sits in your head like a dusty bookshelf. It needs mm -hmm. to be used. And why not use it as a tool to, you know, to help humanity, you know, to, to empower us, to heal us. Dance has been the way that I suppose that I've been able to take the history and bring it into something that 
is a tool for turning that knowledge into wisdom. Knowledge becomes wisdom when it's embodied, when it's lived. So I started out doing dance meditations and the meditations, you know, were guided journeys, taking you through landscapes, historic places, you know, like uh, with the goddesses. That's how the two have linked together. And that's kind of been with me since I was a teenager. So looking at two decades now, really, and people go, gosh, you were so young. And I was like, it's just always been there. I don't know why. I think it's a destiny thing. You know, it's yeah. just, that's just, that's what's in my veins. <laughs> and is it in person, your, your wisdom school? Or is it online? So the dancing is in person because I, I feel that we need to have that community and be with people. I need to see my students and tell them all my funny jokes. They only come across, you know, in person. <laughs> But, you know, the, the Wisdom School is online, so people could join that from all over the world. And, of course, you know, the books, they're available to everybody, anywhere. <laughs> That's so cool you wrote a book. It's it's out at the end of the month. <laughs> yeah, so my first book, Looper, She Wolf of Rome, Mother of Destiny, that's out in two weeks, um, so 24th of November. And that book is specifically about the mythology of the goddess Looper. Um, so Lipa is the she-wolf of Rome in the foundation story of Romulus and Remus. She is the she-wolf that rescues Romulus and Remus, takes them into her cave um, and offers them this initiation, you know, where they're becoming kings. Um, and she really is the guardian of ancient Rome. So the book shares about her mythology, how to connect with her. I retell her story in it, which was really important for me. When you look at her her story in a lot of the, I hate to call it patriarchal, but patriarchal recitings of it, it was just like, oh, a she-wolf just turned up, just rescued them, and then they just kind of became kings. Like, like a she-wolf would just turn up and yeah. just not, not eat the kids, you know? And all these magical things happened. Like, to me, it was so obvious that was epiphany of the goddess, you know, that she was, she was working there on purpose. So I have a retelling of her story in that and, um, you know, a little bit about the history as well. You know, a lot of people kind of know Looper because of, you know, the, the Loopers of ancient Rome, which were the prostitutes, you know, they were given her name because, of course, the women that were prostitutes were deemed to be predators. They would go out of their way to, you know, snare men and take them into their den. <laughs> and, you know, there's a part of the book is about kind of reclaiming that as well, that reclaiming a woman's wildness you know it is not wrong or predatory or or bad but how her wildness is probably her greatest gift because that's where her authenticity is when we come and strip back you know all of those layers of social conditioning and, and what we're told we should do and who we should be we come back to our wild self out in the woods that's where our power is you know and we, we sometimes get scared of that, like we get scared of the wolf. And that's actually what my second book is about. So Wolf, Embody Your Inner Wolf, is about, again, those three guiding principles, courage, trust and authenticity. It's about how we kind of, we've made those things scary, you know, being different, being authentic is, is scary. We choose fear over courage and we choose mistrust of both ourselves and others because we're told that we're wrong, you know, we're, we're bad and we're ugly, just like the wolf. But what if we embrace the wolf within? and allowed it to roam free, you know, what would be possible then? And there's three. Have you written all three of them? Uh, so the third one is about Pantheon, the Romans. So it's all about the Roman gods and goddesses. That's currently in the edit stage. Okay, cool. <laughs> so, yeah, so Wolf is out next year, and then the Roman Pantheon will be the year after. Oh, my God, it's so exciting. And that's with Pagan Portals. Yeah, so Pagan Portals is a branch of Moon Books. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, they have made amazing books. So yeah, go check them out. <laughs> they're good to work with, you said. Yeah, yeah, they're fantastic. When I was first started writing, I kind of had no idea what I was doing, really. I just knew I had to do it. I was just, I was just trusting the universe. that I just had to write. It felt like the right time. And um, I, had, I heard loads of horror stories about publishers and getting published. And like, oh, it takes years and you'll get loads of rejections and it's horrible. And they edit your work and destroy it. And I was like, oh, yeah. I don't know. I even know how I found Moon Books. But I just knew as soon as I saw them, this is my publisher. Like, I'm meant to be with them. I applied. I sent my manuscript in. And within like 24 hours, you know, it was accepted. And I was like, whoa. Like, and I told people like that this is not normal. And I was like, but. Firstly, they're amazing, but I think there's when you come into that place of authenticity and you're you're doing what's you know you're trusting the universe and you're being courageous, it will come to meet you, and it will open the right door, you know, and it will and it will it will feel easeful. 
you know when we when we get that resistance you know sometimes we think oh it's just not working or this is really difficult sometimes it can be because we're trying to make things happen you know an example of that like when I was coming to write my second book I was convinced it was going to be a certain book I was like right it's going to be this and I and I kept turning up the library trying to write I just couldn't it was like mind block like it wasn't happening and I was just like why isn't this happening so I thought okay just shut that down and I just felt like I had to start writing this other book. And then Wolf literally just flew out of me. Like it just, the flowing of a river. And I was like, oh, that's, that's why, like the universe knew I was meant to do this. And I think the same happened with the publisher. I just found the place I was meant to be, you know, my, my tribe. And they are such a family. They're just so supportive um, of the authors and of their community as well. So yeah. definitely go and check out Mum Books. I love them. <laughs> Yeah, I, do. I have a massive pile of pagan portals. Oh, wow, fabulous. <laughs> the I mean, they're little and they're bite-sized, aren't they? And they're, I like yeah. how vast all the different topics are. You were saying doing the whole trust in the process and things will come to you and meet you. And that in itself is quite a challenge. But when you get there, it is true, isn't it? It's like manifesting. And I think as we get older, we get better at it. At my age now, I'm, I'm a lot better at it. We, we worry less and we accept that stuff's going to happen because we're ready for it. That takes a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I think we're so used to trying to control, you know, I mean, nature and the way that we, we form it into things. And I know there's been a lot recently. I don't know if you had like really bad floods up your way because you're up north, aren't you? And there was a lot of, you know, the storms and the rain and a lot of people were like, like, why isn't the government stopping this? Like the government can control the weather, you know, and we <laughs> we expect like as humans to be able to control everything, like stick it in a box. Yeah. And we do exactly the same things to ourselves, you know. We we do it again and again. And it most of these things are from fear, you know, because we want to fit in or we're told we should be a certain way, you know, and so we we make ourselves do that. And it's what yeah, it's one of these things that's concept practice, everything concept practice. That's something we can apply from dance as well. It's just practice makes progress. If it's really difficult with anything, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it until it becomes normal, until it becomes a habit. Yeah. <laughs> whether that's positive thinking, whether that's accepting yourself, whether that's being courageous, whether that's listening to your intuition, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it again and again and again. And ignore the rules and what people say you should be doing and ticking the boxes, like you say. And ugh. I mean, you only get one life, one chance, you know? Why wait? Just do what you need to do. And the thing is, we can only do ourselves well. Anything other we try to be, anybody else we try to be, we're not going to do it well. The only thing we can do well is ourselves, you know? That, yeah. So we should do that. And we'll always be the best we can be when we are ourselves. Absolutely, yeah. I read somewhere that, you're a priestess. Yes. <laughs> do, do you have a cover then? No. So I'm I'm very much what would you call it? Maybe a loner. Oh. <laughs> I'm the lone I'm the lone wolf. So I find it really difficult to label myself in anything. Like, you know, often people say this like, you know, are you a witch? Are you a druid? Are you a pagan? I think as soon as I put myself into any kind of definition or group, I, I find that I try to conform to that. I mean, I, I call myself a priestess because that's the term that resonates most for me. It's that historical connection. I feel like I, as a priestess, I facilitate the divine. So my role, you know, is is a is a speaker of wisdom, as a share of wisdom. My patron is Athena Minerva. She is my guide, my guardian, my muse. Um, and I work on behalf of her, so I class myself as a, as a priestess of her. Um, my training was a priestess of the Rose lineage, but it's always been Athena Minerva that's that's called me. And I think priestess probably resonates the most out of all those labels if I had to choose one. So this is why I say priestess, because I see priestess as a facilitator, that she creates the space for other people to come into their into their own learning. You know, like for me, the term witch kind of means someone that is in a coven that comes together in community and they do rituals together. So they create magic together, you know, whatever that may be, you know, whether in ritual ceremony or just in the words that they speak and the love that they hold together. Whereas for me as a priestess, I feel that that resonates more because I am made to teach I'm made to share wisdom and that's kind of where I function best. <laughs> it's my best offering. But yeah, I know it can be very confusing for people because people are like, well, what are you? And I'm like, well, I'm Rachel. <laughs> they need to I'm know. Rachel. <laughs> I know. I'm like, well, I'm a soul. If you're going to get really specific, that's it. 
full stop, full line, that's it. I'm a soul. If I ever try to put a label, it just feels like, oh, come on, I'm that now. So I can't be anything else. Well, you can be anything you want to be. You can be everything. You could be Druid, witch, Christian, Muslim, pagan, whatever. You could be everything if you wanted to. It's easy to call yourself a pagan because pagan just means you care about the earth and you recycle your garden yeah, and you exactly. grow and there's loads of people who are pagans and they don't even know it. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you recycle? Then you are a pagan. Yeah, and I think that it, it means more than we define it to be. These terms like we, you know, that you see in the dictionary and there's like two sentences that sum things up. And it's not that way at all. Like one of the things I just, I love to share with people like that. I grew up a Christian, you know, my, my mother is a very passionate Christian and I, I love Jesus. I mean, like he's awesome. No, but honestly, what he is talking about and love, that is it, love. He's all about love and we need love in this world. And yet you will get some people that will close off from that, like, because I can't deal with the church. You're like, well, the church isn't Christ, just as, you know, all paganism isn't every pagan. You can't, again, it's boxing things. You're saying this is exactly what it is and this is what it always will be. It's what it has been and it's nothing else. I kind of talk about this, like I call them my, my council, you know, my people that particularly are my guides, you know, and Jesus is up there with Freya and Minerva. And there's no reason why he wouldn't be. They're all about sharing love. That's what it comes down to in the end. And I think by kind of cutting off that possibility, you're cutting off any kind of potential healing, connection or compassion, you know. Off on a rant, haven't I? No, Sorry. That's great. That's that my podcast is just all about running. I love it. That's <laughs> what, what we do. I read as well because I did a little bit of research, but not too much because I have to try and think like the listener. I read you were a flower, a flower essence healer, and I were like, Yeah, oh, what's that? That sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, so I adore flower essences, they're one of the primary tools that I have used in my own healing journey and also with my students. So, flower essences. Essence is really another term that means soul. Say when you have herbal medicine, you're working with a chemical of the plant. When you're working with essential oils, you're working with, you know, a distilled oil. And they can have spiritual effects as well. But flower essences is specifically working with the soul of the plant. There's a belief that there, I truly, truly passionately believe this, that everything has its divine blueprint, as in there is something that that thing is meant to do. And that includes us. We all have a blueprint. We have an indication of that in herbal medicine, you know, that every plant has this blueprint. You know, it's going to help us with a specific perhaps illness or well-being tool. The soul of the plant also has a blueprint. It has something that is going to come and help us with. So, for example, borage is the flower essence for courage. You know, it supports you with embodying courage, you know, transforming fear into courage. So the way that I create the flower essences and then I, I use them specifically with one-to-one clients. So we work with the flower essences, you know, to dis- kind of discern which flower essences would work best with whatever that person is going through, whatever their desires, dreams or needs are. And then I'll create a formula, bringing all of the essences into that formula. The, the client will then consume the essence either orally or just through their skin. Or I think just being near a plant, <clears throat> you receive their essence. You can meet them soul to soul. I mean, how often have you been near a tree and just sat at the base of that tree and just course, felt its yeah. medicine? That's its essence. That's its meeting you soul to soul. But with the flower essences, you're kind of going to that place on purpose. So you're choosing to receive the healing and the soul of that plant. There's no limits to it. Like there is no limits to nature and what she can provide and how she can heal. Like she is unconditional. She just gives and gives and gives and gives and she asks nothing in return. And that's one of the things that just, it moves me to tears. Like it just like opens up my heart. The fact that she just gives, you know, no matter how we treat the earth, no matter how much we take, she just gives and gives and gives. And the flower essence are one of the ways that she gives, as I said, unconditionally. And what's wonderful about flower essence as well is there's no side effects. So um, sometimes chemically in the body, you know, we can react to things or just not meet them. But because you're receiving the soul of the plant, there's no negative side effects. But it does work physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. They're awesome. Oh, that's <laughs> <They> really <lovely. laughs> I really like that. That is so lovely. When you think of your favourite flower... I think a lot of that's already there in it. I mean, I love sunflowers and yeah. love them. And I try and grow them really big. But when you look at a sunflower, it's just so, it's happy, isn't it? And it's warm in, and the bees love it and it's huge, it's really wide. So I do get yeah. that. 
absolutely get that yeah and i think each flower like sunflower for you is our totem flower like that specific has a meaning for our life and what we need to embody so i mean the sunflower is all about confidence it's about shining it's about sharing yourself with the world which is what you're doing through this podcast so you are embodying sunflower at the moment and it will support you in this you know it is about opening up and having the confidence to share who you are without any fear without any worry but again your authenticity so yeah. it's a perfect one for you <laughs> amazing yeah and it's offering stuff in it like it offers food for the bees and then after that it offers you sunflower seeds that you can eat yeah or exactly. you can plant so oh that's amazing i love flowers i love them <laughs> well so we're down here right an access consciousness practitioner an access consciousness practitioner access consciousness some people have heard it because of access bars so access bars is what you call is the practice that say i would use on a client so i would place my hands upon their head and it's about kind of rewriting all of like our emotional keys with access consciousness it's coming into the consciousness of reality and like i said rewriting things so if you think about like ourselves and our brain as a computer and every time we say or do something or experience something it kind of logs you know like it, it creates a file in the computer and we've got all of these files and like you know say we've got a file that's i'll give you an example for my life so how we relate to men okay there's a whole file on there that's full of trauma and negativity and pain so every time i meet a man that folder pings up and it's like hey look at all this stuff that happened in the past like mm -hmm. you know you totally want to add to this folder so access consciousness is doing is it's rewriting that so it will take that folder not just put it in the trash but it'll wipe it clean so you can start afresh. So it's saying, well, what's possible now? So access consciousness is about being in the question. So we don't need the answer, but it's being in the question that's possible because when you ask the question, that is what opens the door. That's what offers you a new laptop, you know, a new file where you can rewrite anything that you want to. So it's about possibility and the potentiality of self. Again, I worked with that as a tool for myself and now I, I share it and I use it mostly now in the invocations and the affirmations that I use with my students. And I kind of use that rewiring through the affirmations, you know, so we're, we're using the power of words and magic of words to create, to destroy and create. So we, we literally just wipe the disc and then we can start afresh. But, you know, we wipe that disc knowing that's what, what was in that folder, having awareness of that, we can take the wisdom from it, but we don't react or live or choose to act from that place anymore. Choose to create something new and come into potentiality instead. That sounds massive. That must take a while. Well, that's the thing is, is it doesn't, you know, it's, oh, okay. um, we, we make things complicated, you know, we, we kind of, we think, you know, that it must be complicated, you know, nothing must be easy. But again, that is just, that's a tape that we keep playing. You know, everything must be hard. Everything must be hard. It's always going to be hard. Well, why? Why can't we choose easy? Why are we choosing hard? And if we're saying it's hard, well, if, is that what we're creating? Why couldn't this be easy? What if we could make this easy? And just being in those questions, you know, what does that invite then? By asking that question, by saying what would make this easy? Or how could this be easier? We're allowing the possibility of ease. Rather yeah. than just saying it, it's hard, full stop, that's it. That's the way it's going to be. By asking, how could it be easy? We open the door. That's a form of manifesting, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it definitely. Is. And it takes yeah. a shift. But when you've done it, I mean, you've done <clears> it and it, it'll last. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's just, it's just remembering that you're powerful, that you are so powerful. We kind of give our power away all the time. And I think it's as simple as remembering that we are powerful, that we are the point of creation, the point of destruction, which is the access bars kind of like theme tune <laughs> we have to reclaim that power we have to choose it we have to be it again practice makes progress we have to practice it mm -hmm. you know yeah. and we are we have to take full responsibility for ourselves that's where our power lies going back to my example like i'm actually a victim of rape and sexual assault so i i could go oh well it's his fault and i'm forever going to hate men etc but if i take responsibility for how i act now and it's been a big path for me of choosing to love men, choosing yeah. to love their power and their strength and what they can create and what they can destroy. That's been a choice again and again and again, you know, one I've had to keep coming back to. And I've taken responsibility for my feelings. I'm taking responsibility for the way that I've chosen to heal that 
the way that I approach men now. So I know that if I approach men with the expectation that he's going to hurt me, that's me that's created that, you know, and I'm responsible for how how I act, the words I choose and what I choose to create as well. So, I mean, that's an extreme example, but every second we're fully responsible for, for what we create. I've recently started doing Reiki as a business mm. adventure and when I started out I was like I'm not going to do men I'm just going to do women just just women and then after a while I was a bit like but why why do I feel this strongly and how unfair is that you know that I'm only going to supply yeah. a certain percentage of the human race just one thing and it's like that's rubbish come on swale sort it out but it is it's hard because the feminine has well, the feminine and the masculine has been incredibly wounded by the masculine and there is some responsibility that needs to be taken there that they don't continue to create that that they don't continue to choose that but also when you have that expectation of somebody of what they're going to be and what they're going to do then again we talked before about the boxes you put that person in a box you know you're only letting them be what you expect them to be i truly think that the the masculine needs compassion that needs us to believe in it to, to believe that it, it can be in it better than we have deemed it to be, that we need to have faith in it. It needs the feminine to say, I trust you and yeah. I love you. Yeah. I see I see everything. I know everything, but I still love you. <laughs> and I, I think men have a huge burden upon their shoulders of what has been done in the past, but it's not who they are. It's not necessarily what they want either. That's heavy on their shoulders. So I do really... I do really feel for them. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And they are doing work. You know, I can see I can see the work being done and stuff being dismantled and like <clears throat> parents of today bringing up boys better and fairly than it used to be. You know, like the toxic masculinity stuff is getting yeah. addressed. And that's a massive demon task to do. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah. It I, I really celebrate and honour their courage, you know, to be honest. And I, I think the men have also been doing I'm having to do this work alone. I mean, I think we're quite lucky as women. I don't think we realise that the fact that we can talk about emotions, that we share emotions, that we have our sisters, that we can talk to our mothers, you know, from anything about, you know, body pain to how we're feeling. How many men have that? You know, <laughs> we know. are actually quite, quite lucky. I yeah, think. we're allowed to show emotion, aren't we? Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and, and we go about, oh, you know, your men have got the better wages and your men have had more opportunities. Yeah, they've had opportunities to to create wealth and to perhaps have freedom, but they haven't had the same opportunities to express their emotion, to be recognised for who they are as a person rather than as a, a machine that makes buildings, that makes money, that makes, you know, that just does things. They've been very much turned into the thing that does. And we're the ones yeah. that feel and I think that perhaps we both need the opportunity, you know, masculine and feminine, to be held an allowance, you know, for all that we are. Is there anything you'd like yeah. to talk about, like more businessy stuff? Your your um your school of wonders, whatever it is. School of <laughs> school of wonders. Oh yeah, that's a good word. I like that. I feel like Willy Wonka when you say that. <laughs> No, not going into that. <laughs> Willy Wonka. Oh, no, actually, I'm not going to go off on a Willy Wonka rant. It'd be hard to keep into the Bell Witch podcast about witches. <laughs> Was Willy Wonka a witch? That's an interesting question. Amazing. <laughs> Is there anything that, that I've mentioned so far that really resonates and lands for you that you want me to share more about? I'm interested in your business in general like how do you get involved is it a subscription thing is it a membership thing is it cool so yeah the way I run is I like to do this pre-assessing so I like to facilitate and give people the tools so they can take them away so I like to work those the right word is intensively <laughs> people can join me for training courses next year there's none now this year because we're getting towards Christmas one of the ways I love to train people is training them into being a wolf <laughs> that's so um, cool <laughs> so there is a little you know there's a little bit of howling a little bit of I encourage you to go out into nature but it's also about these traits that the wolf is embodying I use the mythology of the gods and goddesses of wolves so the ones I work in particular you know Hel and Fenrir we also have Lupa and Mars, you know, Apollo and Artemis. Um, we work with their mythology and their particular energy to come into different aspects of the wolf so in my second book, I kind of talk about the spiritual council of wolf. And these are the different wolf archetypes that we can embody. 
So by embodying these archetypes, bringing them into our body, seeing what they mean for us, we can access their wisdom and see how we can be that archetype in our lives and how it would bring healing. So for example, let's take Mars as an example. Um, He's my God crush. I have such a crush on Mars. So he is Father Wolf. (laughs) He embodies the father that is the great protector. If we look at real wolves for a second, The father wolf is actually not the leader in a pack. It's actually the she-wolf. She is the alpha. Um, So in every wolf pack, we have an ultimate female. And basically the female is like, okay, I think we should go this way. And then the male wolf is like, okay, I'll facilitate that for you. I will take my action and create what it is that you're imagining, which is very much how the masculine kind of supports the female in the world. That's how they work together. She brings forth the dream. He creates the dream for her in the way that he facilitates and kind of creates the boundaries for that. So the male wolf will kind of um, go out, you know, kind of establish and assert the boundaries around. He's offering that protection, like this is our land. We're going to keep you safe within this. And then he'll go out and hunt and bring her back food. Um, you know, if she, especially if she's in the den and giving birth. So if we were to embody that father wolf, doesn't matter whether you're male or female biologically or anything in between. When you embody that father wolf, you are coming into the role of the great protector. So the way we would work is through meditation, through inquiry, through journaling, through dance, and through looking at the mythology of Mars. And we would look at how we can be father wolf in our lives. So how are we offering ourselves own protection? How are we creating boundaries? As in, do we create a boundary that keeps everybody and everything out? Or are we creating a boundary that lets everything and everyone in? Or are we creating healthy boundaries where we have a doorkeeper that lets in what was supporters and lets out love, you know, because we need to receive and we need to give, we need to have both. So Father Wolf is really about that. And also Father Wolf in, in bringing kind of the, the food to the she-wolf, you know, how do we provide for ourselves? How do we support ourselves? Because self-care and self-love requires love in action. Love is a feeling, yes, but it requires action to match it and to to support it, to facilitate it. So that father wolf is bringing food back to the she-wolf. How, how can we support ourselves through the actions that we take? It's okay saying, yeah, I love myself. I'm pretty awesome. But then you go and you're going to abuse yourself for perhaps the food you eat or you don't exercise or you let allow yourself to be in toxic relationships or you you know you go and sleep with your ex again the actions that we're taking need, need to support that self-care and that self-love it's how we show that self-care and that self-love is that action so father wolf would be the archetype that we'd use to do those types of things so i bring forth the energy of, of mars for that because i think he's really a primary example of, of the father wolf he is the great protector of rome the city of rome and he is the warrior he embodies courage so the courage to go out there the courage to love yourself the courage to create those boundaries to say no and to say yes so he can really help with that in the wolf course this is an example you know you would work with all the different goddesses you'd have or gods you'd have a month um, with them dancing that energy meditating with them journaling with them Uh, there's rituals as well guided rituals so that's just one example so i like these kind of like longer courses where you can really dive deep i mean like why would you just dip your toe in the ocean? I mean, go for swimming it. <laughs> That's very much me. I'm kind of like, you know, I just say, if you're going to do something, do it well. I want people that are going to show up. I mean, it's important that you show up for yourself. You know, if you're going to come and do my courses, I require you to show up for yourself. You need to claim your power. You need to choose for yourself. If you don't, then great, great. Just carry on with, with how you are. But I just think, you know, if an opportunity it is there you know you need to take it nobody else can choose it for you again you take that responsibility you go there you do the work because again you've only got one life you're only you now why wait like whose permission are you waiting for yeah. <laughs> um so I, I do require my students to show up and to do the work <laughs> just fyi and the other way that so there's those kind of courses like that i do offer online events as well which are, you know kind of shorter events so more like a taster so i do a, a lupercalia festival every year so that's a festival connected to the goddess lupa um it's her festival it was held in rome every february 
it's like the alternative or version of Valentine's Day, but better. You know, they ran around naked around the town, like whipping each other. Oh my God, it's it amazing. <laughs> no, well, I mean, I mean, we don't do that. I don't run around road whipping people. I just uh, like clarify that. <laughs> amazing. But yeah, and then probably the best introduction to me would be through my books or just just following me online just to um, I have loads of free guided meditations on SoundCloud on YouTube uh, where you can just just listen to me and just see if you know I'm your vibe because it might not be that's okay you know we all we all find out our teacher or we find ourselves with that teacher but yeah so I would start with the books the meditations YouTube SoundCloud and then just come and connect with me and then you can work one-to-one as well through the flower essences so I offer a one-to-one flower essence container um, so this is four months one-to-one with me I'm there for you every step of the way we have one-to-one coaching where we get to chat like this for a whole hour together all about you all that you need your dreams and desires and then we find the way that we can make them reality that we can create that together you get flower essence formulas you know every month for those four months you get side guided med- meditations you get the flower essence meditations I think it's wonderful I'm biased of course but I just think <laughs> I, gosh if everybody like chose this like it changed the world but of course I am biased because I love it you know I know it's worked for me like I wouldn't be where I am without the tools that I use you see so that's why I why I share them because you know I still remember when I was a teenage girl and I was uh, share about this in my wolf book that I was so shy and so scared of the world I was sick like really sick like I was so scared I couldn't even like go to the toilet last for a drink I would go days without drinking or going to the toilet because I was too scared to ask to go I mean and that's my journey now like now you can't shut me up (laughs) I like to talk about walls all the time but you know like that's quite a path you know I've been through the darkest parts you know like like so my sexual assault it's just one of those examples like I've been there you know this is why I'm so passionate about sharing it I've been to all of these places that all of these walls will take you, you know, that, that life takes you. And these tools have worked for me uh, more than worked. You know, they, they have empowered me beyond what I could ever expected. If you told my quiet little self that was hiding in a room that, you know, was locked in her room and just couldn't come out and couldn't bear to even hear herself because she was so frightened of who she was and her potentiality, you know, mm-hmm. I don't think she'd quite believe where I am now. And that's partly down to, you know, me choosing courage, my choices, taking responsibility yeah. for myself again, but also the way the divine has facilitated through through goddess, through flower essences, through dance, all the wonderful tools that are offered to us. Like choosing to survive, I think. I've also had a bit of a tricky past and I can relate to a lot of what you're saying. Like I hated my childhood because yeah. it was just a mess and I wasn't very yeah. well liked and I wasn't very popular and it, you know, there were times I didn't want to be here anymore. So I can totally relate. And it's like, I can't believe I felt like that. I love my life now. I've got yeah. two little little girls and they're amazing. And I've got a lovely husband. It's bizarre to think people <clears throat> feel so low that they're going to give it up. It's like... Yeah, and I, I do think that those points though like I can really relate to what you were saying I had the same experience I wanted to end my life when I was in university because I was so lonely and I think more of us get to that dark place and we realize like a lot of us share this Um, I think we all have moments of great despair but I think those moments are pivotal moments they're our initiation you know we have a choice at that point and and this is why I love Lupa so much and I love her her story, because in her story, <clears throat> she takes Romulus and Remus, the two babies, you know, that become the kings of Rome, but they're vulnerable babies that have been condemned to be murdered. And she takes them at their most vulnerable. They're crying. You know, they were, someone tried to drown them. She takes them into her cave. And in the cave, in the room, tomb, they are transformed. They find their power and they come out ready to be kings. And I think that these dark places are our caves. We get taken to the cave. We go into the cave, into the darkness, and in that place, in the dark where there is nothing else, we find ourselves. Yeah. We find something. There's a gemstone. There's a crystal deep in that the darkness of the cave when we think all is lost, when we can't see anything. We can't see the way out. We don't know what's there. We're full of fear. We find something there, and that something then becomes our guiding light to take us back out you know into the outside world and so I think these moments if you look back like you like you said now you can't you know you can't imagine that <laughs> but, you know looking back that will have been a pivotal moment that will have been the moment of pivoting 
something within you will have clicked you will have known something or felt something and again we don't have to pivot we can stay there in the darkness you know that happens for some people but at that moment we have a choice to return back out to the light it's not always easy yeah you might be clawing your way back out of that cave you know it might be a steep hill you might fall down a few times but it's the fact that you keep going that you keep clawing to get back up and it doesn't make that darkness in the center of the cave bad either it's not evil it's not wrong it's definitely not wrong it's actually necessary and it has a gift you know we kind of um done the things that i i don't resonate with with some, sometimes spirituality sometimes it's all about the light like we need to be in the light you need to strive for the light you need to like get rid of the darkness and become more light and i think gosh but without the dark though the dark is where seeds are planted deep into the earth you know and we talk about the dark mother a lot but those moments where we're in i was about to swear then i'm always bloody swearing <laughs> <laughs> like you know when we're, we're, we're deep in the shit you know when we're just like when it's just messy and horrible and ucky and just like uh, the uncomfortableness i kind of feel it's like where it's because we're wearing like an outfit that's too tight that's why it's uncomfortable there we just strip that off that's where what we can do in that dark place is we we're given the opportunity to strip away the clothes that are too tight you know so that we can be naked and raw and vulnerable which is a beginning going back to what i was saying before it's a new file on that computer and that feels scary and intimidating because there's nothing there and we don't know what's going to happen and what's going to come forth that's the moment of possibility and potential that's the moment of creation you know creation comes from destruction birth comes from rebirth that's our moment. So I, I think that being in the cave is is shitty, but it's essential. Yeah, exactly. Don't be scared yeah. of it. it. Is yeah. I just like the idea of being in a room and like howling. That sounds so good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've yeah. been to, to screaming circles where a bunch of us have just screamed as <laughs> guts up, and it's like I imagine it's very similar to that. <laughs> yeah, and I think the howling, like it brings forth the wild within us, you know, it allows us to completely let go. Screaming is really powerful because it allows us to specifically access, you know, frustration and anger. Whereas I think howling, there's something in it that's very primitive. Mm-hmm. So when we howl, and it's something I do encourage in my dances and my courses, you know, or just for the fun of it, you know, it's it just allows us to to feel wild, you know, to feel untamed. And that's kind of unique because we, you know, we are we are tamed so much by society, you know, by the expectations of others and ourselves. So to allow ourselves to just howl is really liberating. And I feel very opening for the throat chakra as well. It particularly works with the throat chakra to open to open it up. And there's there's things you can express in a howl that you can't express in words. You know, like I share in my wolf book about how there's there's like six different ways that, an, that a um, wolf will communicate. You know, that there's the howl. There's also the whimper and the growl. You know, we have all these different sounds, you know, for, for communicating, just like the wolf as well. And I think the howl is something that connects us deeply to our, our earth self, our primal self. You know, the woman who did used to run with the wolves, you know, in the past, our ancestors, that you just can't get from another, another sound. I always recommend people just try it because it feels good. I don't know if you've tried it, but it feels really good. It, it's like it makes like your skin tingle. I do it a lot at home, but like I have problems because there's a lot of dogs around me. <laughs> I set the whole village <laughs> off. Honestly, I can you not like I'll start howling and then like a dog will talk back and then the next dog and then the next dog and they're like, Oh my oh, god. Like they, they must be like, Why are all the dogs howling? You know, like <laughs> so wait, that Rachel, she's off again. Um, <laughs> Dalmatians at the end when they're all, all dogs yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But again, that's like you know, try that with humans as well. And there's something like if you howl in front of a new human, they want to howl with you. There's something about it that connects us. You know, it is like we're a pack doing it together, howling alone and with other people. I think it is therapeutic. You know, and maybe that's initially difficult because we come into a place of shame or embarrassment you know like oh what do we sound like i mean who cares really does their opinion really matter more than the joy of howling (laughs) who is that person that you're bothered about caring you know yeah just just howl you know (laughs) listeners your call to action this month is i want you to howl Oh, there we go. Amazing. There's, there's even like, here's one I made earlier type job. 
Come with me. Good. Yeah, I'm absolutely going to do that. It sounds fabulous. And honestly, so if you good. need permission, get kids to do it with you because kids don't have the inhibitions. Like they will pop a go for it. And they will give you permission if you need that. You know, they will show you what it is to to not care, to not give a fuck, you know, just to enjoy yeah. your voice, enjoy your body and enjoy what you can do. My <laughs> kids will love to howl. Me and my kids are going to howl. I learn loads off my kids, do all kinds of cool stuff. Yes, thank you for that, Rachel. Where can we find you? <laughs> do you want to give your website a plug? Yeah, of course. So you can find me at wolfwomanrising.com. I'm everywhere. So Instagram, it's Official. Someone bagseed wolf from rising. I don't know who she is. So annoying that is. Oh, I know. Ooh. Anyway, I'm sure, sure she's sure she's lovely. Wolf from rising official. Uh, Facebook, it's wolf from rising. Wolf from rising on YouTube as well. I don't do TikTok. I am Good. a dancer, but I find it bizarre. Like copy people and like swing your arms in weird ways. That I just I don't get it personally. Anyway. But every, I'm everywhere else. Oh, I don't do Twitter either because I don't I don't tweet. So I love that you know people have podcasts. I think it's a, a really wonderful wonderful thing to share in this way. I certainly celebrate it. But something super exciting is my publisher Moon Books. They are starting their own podcast. I don't even know if I'm allowed to tell you. Maybe oh, this is a secret. You anyway. check that out before I produce. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. Because <laughs> the first one's out in December. They're doing their own podcast with all of their authors. That um, is well cool. It's going to be amazing. It'll be hosted by Rachel Patterson. As you probably know that's going to be super exciting. I'm their next guest. So oh, <laughs> that's cool. I wrote about this recently on, on you know, the, make, the online magazine Pings of the North. They're mm, writing yes. about when your podcast the internal healing is massive because you've got to hear yourself and edit yourself and yeah. then you notice how you speak and that your voice isn't so bad and then people are actually interested in what you've got to say. And I started in March and it's been like a mm. massive growth since then. I sound all right, actually. Yeah, you're giving yourself permission and validating yeah. yourself, you know, which is what we need to offer ourselves. So that, yeah, we are all right, actually. I'll do. Right. <laughs> that'll do, lass, that'll do. <laughs> That was such good fun. I really enjoyed being the host on this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Do give me a rating and review if you can. That'd be awesome. This is designed and produced by me, Wales, on Wavepad at in Zencaster. Music by Jeff Harvey of Pixabay. That's it from me. Stay magical, witches. See you next episode.